This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com the talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year we understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing but rest assured you're not alone there's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges honesty is key in any relationship if your friend asks you how you are feeling tell them honestly if you're going through a difficult time let them know Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Suspensions. But Derek Adams Diablo Dice made sure there weren't six points today. After being pegged back from going ahead, Swindon must have felt practically home and dry after a red card and a Charlie Austin penalty put town ahead against Morecambe. But some arguably unwise substitutions and the power of ten men gave a familiar feeling not unlike the Eric and Ernie Christmas specials doomed to repeat. Stalemates? How dare you? They are comedy legends. And one Swindon legend is joining me to recap. Somebody was at the game. It's only Max Springer, ladies and gents. How are we doing, JR? I, I'm super duper. Yes, you made the trip over to to Morecambe. You got to enjoy that September sea air. How was, uh, how was the journey over? I'm curious. Was it? I, see, I drove up from Manchester, so it's only about an hour in the car. Um, got there, had a nice wander around, went and saw the Eric Morecambe statue, which is what it was. It was, it was nice to see 
you know, an iconic figure in statue. Had a few, had a few Pepsis before the game, and then wandered over to the ground. I, I, I spent a lot of today walking. I spent a lot of today walking today as well. Yeah, I went to. I'll tell you before we came on. I went to um, Southern League uh, Premier game. I went to Chesham versus Winchester. This is the state that we're getting the. Uh, the pod two people used to say the people on the pod who don't even go to games. Now you've got people who go to completely different games in different divisions. Uh, I'd like to pull up the uh, that part of things. Um, but yeah, a nice day for it. It's a lovely day for football. That was the feeling as what well. I was tying that in. It's just the the weather is just that sort of ambient sunshine and cool. And I'm imagining it was similar in Morecambe. A good day to to get the steps in and. Uh, to enjoy it, really, wasn't it? Well, I got sunburned, so that kind of tells you all you have to really know about the weather. Are you quite? Uh, are you quite a pale complexion, Max? Are you... Yeah, it, it affects me worse than many others. This is why you spend a lot of time on the ice, right? Now I know. Okay, cool. <laughs> this is it. This is it. While we're while we're doing the intros and the nice chat bit, um, you did you did check out the chippy, didn't you? Talk to me about chippy tea. Oh, I just I found the first chippy I could find on the seafront that took card, and it was all right as far as seaside fish and chips go. I, I lived in Blackpool for five years, so my standards are very high when it comes to fish and chips. Okay, very seasoned in uh, fish and chips and top quality entertainment from the likes of uh, Chubby Brown on the North Pier. So you know your standards are going to be way, way, way up there. And yes, it was nice to see some town fans giving it the. Uh, Playing the Ernie Wise to the Eric Morecambe statue today it looked like a lovely, a lovely day out uh, all in all, and it only would take football to spoil it, right? As we do every single Saturday away day, <laughs> a lovely day ruined by the football. Well, this is interesting. Well, interesting because we'll go for it because I'm not sure it is quite quite ruined. Um, I guess we might be ruining, uh, you know, a potential of what what might have been. But you're the person who's there. Um, Scarce to get a uh, a replay or the extended highlights yet, so I'm hoping that you'll be my you'll be my guide and and talk me through it. So um, there's no real surprises in terms of the lineup. It was exactly as we would imagine it to be. It was the same as as every other week it has been. So Murphy Mahoney and goal, that familiar back three of FBT, uh, Godwin Malife and Tom Bruitt. With um, you've got a Wackway. And Hutton on each side. Midfield, got Khan, McEachran, and Kemp. And up front, it was Young and Charlie Austin. So, yes, I think we could have all called that before we even started, couldn't we? Yeah, I think um, we, we were sort the people I was with, we were all sort of expecting it to, to come out unchanged because, I mean, it, he seems to have found a fairly settled starting 11 now. And, you know. I'm quite happy with the makeup of it, really. You think you look at the front three; they link up well together. Uh, McEachran and Khan seems to work quite well in the middle. The back three has been pretty much the same since since post post the Rexon game, I think. So, and that's where you want to see a bit of consistency. So it's it's good to see that in a way. Yeah, of course. I mean, last week it just seemed to click so well. That was the the first sort of really professional, complete performance where you know we were managing to uh, have a very tidy win so why change a winning formula right no yeah exactly and and to be fair like that the first half i we went in we came out of it 1-1 but we were we were playing well um doing okay 
And I think I think it's, there is definitely an element of these players are used to each other and there's chemistry building around different bits, parts of the pitch. And you could you could see that in spells today. You certainly could, yes. So uh, Swindon were looking familiar, and we heard from Derek Adams on the presser that you know without uh, without Michael Mellon, who has been so important to that early form, that there was a chance to tinker, especially as Mellon was allowed to play in the uh, in the pizza trophy game midweek or whatever they call it now. So I think he felt like he could he could preview without really showing his hand today. But I think from from what you've uh, what you've told me in your very comprehensive notes, that uh, Morecambe started a little bit chippy, didn't they? Yeah, they were. I think they came out knowing that like we were the technically better team, so they made their, they made the most out of their size. Um, they were getting in physically quite a bit of shirt pulling, and and the referee had a weird one today where I think for a ten minute spell he'd let everything go and let the game flow, and then it he would go back to having his whistle out. So. It, it kind of suit, it, it suited Morecambe in a way because they knew if they just disrupted us, like you look at the size of like Kemp, if you just get a couple of arms around him and get in his face, you know you're gonna you're gonna shut him down quite well, and they were doing that in spells. But managing to deal with that and just keeping you know keeping patient and waiting for those opportunities, it didn't take too long for that to uh, that to bear fruit, did it? Because after eleven minutes, already ahead. Yeah, what a nice guy. I just turned and said, what a nice goal that is. Um, it's just that front three linking up again. Um, Austin got it down um, in the middle, plays a nice ball through to Young on the left, and he just crossed it over to the back post and Kemp heads it in nicely to make it 1-0. It was really lovely. I really loved how the ball seemed to hang in the air and there's like just that wonderful diving header. It's the sort of thing you, you dream of scoring on the... Uh, I was going to say the playground, but you'd probably be diving onto a hard tennis court there. So... Maybe not, but it's 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 definitely the the kind of goal you fantasise about scoring. I really enjoyed that one, and well, there you go, job done, one nil. Um, I've only had the pleasure of seeing the very very limited highlights so far, so I'm going entirely on your wisdom here because the thing is, it wasn't too long before that that uh, we were nearly on the back foot, weren't we? Yeah, this must have been. It was straight from kickoff. It can't be more than thirty seconds after the game kicked off again. Um, I can't remember the exact order, but. It resulted in Morecambe getting kind of clear clear through into our box. A shot came off the post that then bounced off Mahoney's back, off a defender behind him, uh, straight to the foot of a Morecambe player who managed to get a shot off, but um, Brewitt managed to get us out of jail just um, kicking out for a corner. But yeah, um, seems to have not... Seem, seem needing... Need, uh, try that again. Needed them to wake up just after that goal because, I mean, Morecambe could have easily made it 1-1 pretty much straight away. And they had a bit of a flurry from there as well. Um, once they went 1-0 down, they they properly woke up and they they didn't look they didn't look bad going forward either. Um, we, were sort, we were sort of taken aback by the fact that, well, where's, where's this been from that first 15? Because the first 15, they didn't look interesting going forward at all. Um, Brewitt did really, really, really well in, a, in about a 10-minute spell. Um making a lot of key tackles, some key interceptions, um, just keeping them at bay. The, the only real threat they were having other than that was set pieces, but their delivery was so poor that, I mean, Swindon were kind of just happy to let them pump balls into the box. And, uh, and Blake Tracy was one of the ones that was dealing with quite a lot of the aerial threat early on. Well, speaking of pumping balls, I think there was a bizarre gesture to the away fans with young Tom Bloxham, the number seven of Morecambe. What, what do we think that was about? 
I can't even remember what triggered it. I think it was just, I, th- I think there was a, there was a borderline foul in front of the linesman where, no- where nothing's really happened, um, and he's got in the linesman's face and um, had a moan. So it's, it's result, and this is right in front of all the Swindon fans. All the Swindon fans are, you know, shouting at him. You know, way like you didn't get you didn't get what you wanted. And then he he turns and looks at the fans, shouts at them, and then grabs his package and shakes shakes it. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen an opposition player do to an away end. So we're talking. We're not talking like paying homage to the late uh, Michael Jackson style. We're talking something that is a bit more, uh, a bit more, a bit more Degeneration X. <laughs> oh, wonderful! There you go. A big, uh, a big chop as well. Okay. Well, interesting. That's uh, uh, that's that's something to go from. Um, that that ends a nice uh, a nice early half spell for them um but then we're coming quite close about 24 minutes on aren't we that we nearly managed to get a decent opportunity wouldn't you say yeah looking back at this chance this is the one that really really like sealed our fate in a way um Hutton plays a really nice crossfield ball to Iwakwe who and like throughout all the game um, whenever the play was on one side, Wackway or Hutton, either way, would find themselves in tons and tons of space. And we utilise these long crossfield balls sometimes, but just not enough to take advantage. Um, but yeah, Hutton, Hutton finds Iwakway, um, who gets it into Kemp. Kemp plays a lovely ball through to Austin coming down the left, and he's got a shot on the near post. And he just puts it wide, and it's it's one of those goals that you expect, Charlie. It's one of those chances that you expect Austin to really, really score, because he, he must have been about six or seven yards out when he took the shot and uh yeah he just puts it wide um same we had another chance about five minutes later um a good cross from Hutton cutting inside on his left foot and uh but Young just hits it straight to the keeper's belly it's one of those where he heads it down it looks like it's going to go through the keeper's legs but he just manages to get a hold of it between his thighs so and we kind of root uh we're kind of rude those missing those chances because uh, Morecambe score pretty much straight after that young chance. Well, Charlie Austin has been generating lots of lots of discussion, not not least of all for getting criticism that doesn't really exist um, about him. But it's interesting, is it? Because I know what you mean about those sorts of chances. I think he's just so good at being like a natural finisher. Do you think there's an argument to say that perhaps we? we judge him by a, an already high standard that he sets himself sometimes. Yeah, possibly. I mean, that chance alone, it was it was a near post, tight angle, and it was on his left foot. So I think if it's anyone else, you kind of think, oh, well, you know, like may, maybe others would get a bit more forgiveness than that. Charlie played quite well today. Um, he, he'd run out of gas towards the end, but I mean, he was playing really well. I don't think Austin was the problem today. No, no, I'm not not insinuating. I'm just, I'm just. In- oh no, I'm like because that. But I've seen, I've seen discourse on Twitter, and he was getting some shouts from from the from some some of the away fans at him. But like Charlie played his part today. He did all right. Just you know. Yeah, I, I I heard about this thing as well. Yeah, maybe we is that was that in the second half. I heard about some. There were some posts on the, I think on the Facebook group about some grief that. Austin was getting maybe it was towards the time of uh, bringing substitutes on, but uh, yeah, that did sound unusual. And yes, I just wondered, like you say, if we're maybe a bit more forgiving of everybody else because strikers do put the ball wide sometimes, and because 
Austin is usually so clinical that we we hold him to um, an unfair an unfair standard. Definitely, because I think if it's the other way around, if, if if Young's missing that chance and then Austin's missing the header five minutes later, then it'll probably be, you might you might see it the other way around as well because like Young has headed it straight at the keeper when he had all the net to to head from from the six yard box. So yeah, I do I do think that you know I expect Charlie to score a lot of chances that your typical League Two scorer won't. Like that's just you look at his career and you look at like him being that six yard box player, you know. You expect him to to make the most of chances that not everyone's going to, if that's the right way of saying it. And of course, in the moment, you know, you're 1-0 up and, you know, they're all good opportunities to increase that lead and maybe only just looking afterwards after it's uh, it's ended in a in a 2-2 draw that you're thinking, ah, if only, and ruining um, that we could have made more of those. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like, we have, we have plenty of chances in the game to, uh, to put it away. Um, just one of those days, I guess. Especially in front of goal, we we didn't we weren't having a lot of joy um, putting our chances away. Yeah, and very shortly after that, after those uh, chances were missed, our friend Tom Bloxham was there to wang it into the area, wasn't he? Hey, <laughs> and trust me, when that when that header went in, he he took that cross right in front of the away fans, so you can imagine what his celebration was like in front of us. Uh, X-rated by the sounds of it, but I'm sure that it was. Uh, I'm sure it was enjoyable. This was quite a, quite a nice uh, header. The only thing that I I thought watching it is a lovely uh, lovely crossing connection. I just wonder where everybody was. Yeah, um, the play had been coming down. The play had come down that side from their goal kick. So I think just the whole sort of field was was moved to that one side, um, and Taylor's just kind of got himself on the back post, and he's managed to just. It's it's um it's a rack, is it a whack way that he gets gets there or over? Uh, I think so. Yes, yes, once. Yeah, so Taylor manages to get around a whack way and just beat, beats him to the post really, and uh, puts away a nice header that Mahoney can't really do much about. Is it fair to say there was a spell of the game where the intensity kind of dropped out in that in that lead up towards half time from then? Yeah, a bit. Once they scored, they kind of reverted back to how they were playing in the first sort of ten minutes. Like, um, because during that spell after we scored, like they 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 were coming at us, like and they and they were doing, you know, they were they were playing some decent stuff. Just um, maybe they were happy just to see it through to half time because, I mean, that they probably sensed the again it's how good technically that we that we we were we were compared to them. Um, and most of the chances they were giving up to us in that sort of spell were um, long balls over the top or through balls, which is having to thread the needle. So I think they were just kind of looking to hold on to that and uh, stop themselves conceding some easy goals. And maybe getting a little bit a little bit more chippy and scrappy like they were in the first 10 in the in the final five. Yeah, same with that. There was a lot of frustration from the away end um, that the referee wasn't giving a lot of stuff. For me, it was one of those where I think if the ref had started calling it, he would have been blowing his whistle every 30 seconds because it was happening. It, and it was happening for both sides. Both sides were getting a bit chippy at this point. Just the fact that Morecambe were physically bigger than us, I think um, it, it makes it look look a lot worse than it was. It, it made it look a lot worse than it was. Yeah, and then going into half time, I mean, there's been a lot of complimentary uh, remarks, interestingly, on Twitter about the refereeing. And I'm just thinking about eerily prothetic when you're talking about uh, the young man Bloxham's celebration and how he was getting frustrated with the 
with the lino, it wasn't wise to uh, to get lippy with the officials today, was it? No, I, Joe, I didn't even spot the uh, I didn't even spot the yellow cards that were given. But he kind of he kept his cards in his pockets for a lot of the game, really. I mean, I think there was only two yellows for them before the red, and then we had two yellows ourselves towards the end of the game, and they were both sort of cynical fouls, which I think the ref team. That, that was that, that was at the point in the game where the ref was deeming it worthy to give the yellows out. Well, we'll enjoy mulling over that uh, that uh, yellow and red card in quick succession in the second half. But going in, going in at the at the interval, then what's what's the murmurs in the stands like, and what are we thinking uh, just needs to be done to come home with everything. I, I mean, a lot of the talk was about the uh, the Austin and Young chances that they had. I mean, just I think just in the fact that that Young chance that he missed was thirty seconds before the goal. I think if he scores that and it's two 0 then it's gonna it will turn into a very different game. Um, and that and that was a sort of general chat I was having outside with people that it was a, just a case of we need to start putting away these chances because you know Morecambe look industrial enough in defence that if they if they took a quick lead then I think we might struggle to break them down. Yeah, because at home you know they've managed to make the place quite a fortress and pick up some good good wins at home and I guess there's that feeling that having having pegged us back from going one nil up that that could kind of galvanize them couldn't it yeah they're unbeaten yeah I noticed that they're unbeaten at home other than um the JP other than the not the JPT the, the P, other than the pizza trophy so you know it and you, you you can see why they they are quite robust in defense and they seem solid they had good they had pretty good shape about them we were really we were finding it really difficult to to break that down, like I say, the only times we were really getting through was um, either through big di- big diagonals from fullback to fullback, or um, balls over the top, or you have to get like the perfect through pass through the, through their defenders to get get a chance for your own goal. Yeah, it's 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 a confidence builder to be unbeaten at home. It's not quite as good as being unbeaten full stop, like we are. So how's that for positivity? There we go. We can have a bit going into it. I, I think at checking the scores at halftime, I was still feeling like having taken the lead that, you know, a good a good bit of the hairdryer treatment from Flynn and it, it might just all all come to... Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. Enthusiastic contributor and former Swindon McDonald's employee. Farewell, Outlook Village. One time I got to serve the then Swindon manager, Roy Evans. Yes, I know what you're wondering. Big Mac with medium fries. And admittedly, why Roy may have regretted some choices at SM1, well, you can't go wrong with the classics. And you can't go wrong with Muck Delivery, where instead of you getting in a time machine and coming to me, your favourites can come to you. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody, summer is here and when there's no Swindon Town, I do enjoy using my favourite streaming services to watch you know, the same old comedies I've watched a billion times before. But hey, I love it, okay? So don't judge. Alas, being away overseas on holiday in the chateau means I have to go without some of those shows until I've returned home. But no more. NordVPN allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows and films which aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location with one click to a country which is showing the content. NordVPN acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands. 
NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee per month, and one NordVPN account can be used across six devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash lowstrangers. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and the link is in the podcast episode description box. Enjoy your summer. Together. He's very angry about something, Mark Hughes. In fact, he's holding his face. Now, it's stating the obvious to say that it's inadvisable to engage in an argument with fans. But having said that, he was clearly provoked. He was virtually pushed against the wall by Taylor in the first place. And he couldn't avoid getting as close as he did to the fans. And I think he came away with a souvenir. second half started quite openly and uh, I think there was a early chance for Uwakwe, wasn't there? Yeah, he got, um, a, a corner came in and it kind of caught him. He was just on the edge of the 18-yard box and he absolutely rifles it at the goal. Um, but I think the Morecambe keeper had a good angle. He, make, he makes a good save just from the power of the shot. But yeah, if that had gone in, that would have been goal of the season so far. Well, I look forward to seeing that one, at least on the extended highlights. So, yeah, getting pretty open. And then, well, 55 minutes in, um, Kemp gets pulled down by the number six for Morecambe. Quite, it's a, it's a nailed-on penalty, is it? There's, there's no arguing about it. I think it was a, a clear penalty. And I don't know why he would... Uh, Jan Songo, his uh, name was. I don't know why he would think about arguing the toss, but argue the toss, he certainly did, didn't he? Yeah, so my view on this was, it was a foul, but I'm not sure it was a penalty. I think it was just outside the box. I think that's the point. You could see the way he was gesturing. I think that's what he was arguing to the referee. Um, But I think the referee, obviously the referee just hadn't, either either he said something out of turn or the referee just had no time for his arguments. And yeah, sent him packing because we did see the yellow come out for him straight away when people were saying because he was last man we were expecting it to be a straight red anyway um definitely a foul but yeah if you if you watch it again it might just be inside the penalty box but from my angle i was pretty much in line with the penalty spot it did look like it was just outside the box but kemp kind of when he gets brought down he kind of falls he's quite deep in the box by the time he hits the ground so that's probably what the referee's seen from the angle behind very cheeky stuff. Yes, there's a very quick uh, yellow for the foul. And I guess the same as you. I assumed that it was a descent issue that led to the the quickly quickly changed red. I don't know if it was a last man thing, but I don't I guess I have to look into Derek Adams' post-match and see what happened there. More suspensions for him. <laughs> well, they're getting good results out of it, so they look better with 10 men as well. Don't uh, don't they all? Don't they all? Impress him with <laughs> yeah. But before that, it was the job of uh, Charlie Austin. He gave away too many penalties last year, and he, he pretty much squandered his chance of being top scorer because uh, Williams only got ten last season. But I think that Rolfe fairly assured that he would put it away, and a, a a lovely finish from the spot, wasn't it? Yeah, really nice. Um, the, the only reason I doubt about it was there was quite a lengthy... The referee was going to each individual player and saying, make sure you don't encroach, make sure you don't encroach. Stay out of the box, stay out of the box. And it's one of those, when, when, a, when a penalty takes that long to be taken, you just think, oh, it's built too much now. But 
should never doubt Charlie from the spot because, yeah, it was a good penalty. And again, when we talk about rude chances, there was nearly a chance to uh, to increase on that fairly quickly after that, wasn't there? Yeah, there was this crazy exchange in the box. Um, the ball kind of falls to Young in there um, and he manages to get it through the legs of one more defender. Um, and he must be about four yards out when he takes a shot, but there's two Morecambe defenders around him and the goalkeeper, and it just ricochets around, and eventually he just goes out for a corner. But, yeah, another good chance, and, again, another chance for us to get that two-goal lead, because the thing we never did was never got that two-goal lead, and I think that kind of would have helped to see it off. Yeah, it's starting to get to the stage of the game where we're getting to about 60 minutes in, and obviously everyone's thoughts turn to the bench. Is this where this Austin Batchat comes in? And did you hear any of it? Because what I've what I've seen was posted on the uh, Facebook group, um, and I guess is it, this is the time in logic that makes me think that this would have come up is that somebody's saying to Austin that if you're tired, then go off and. This was uh, treated like omerta in this Facebook group. People should speak so disrespectfully to him. You were actually there. You were in the away end. What what was going on here? It was a loud shout of, if you're tired, just come off. And Austin looked at the away end when it was said. Um, there, there was a bit of shouting before that as well. Um, I think that uh, Mahoney had taken a, a rushed poor goal kick. Um, oh, no, sorry. I'll say that again because I, I remember what it was now. Um there was a bit of discourse before because Mahoney had dwelled on the ball a bit too long and almost got caught out by the Morecambe striker and had to kind of kick it away in a rush. Um, and I think Charlie gone back to him to say, uh, you know, to have words about that. As you'd expect, your cap- you know, you need you want your captain to be vocal with the rest of the team. That's what that's you know that's part of his role on the pitch, just to make sure that you know everything's clicking and that people are doing their jobs. Um, but yeah, the, the, there was a few shouts in the crowd about. Him looking tired. I don't know if he looks that. I don't know if he looks any more tired than you know he usually would with half an hour to go. Like he looked, he looked okay enough to me. Um, especially the the fact that he was coming and tracking back a lot to come and help out in the defence. So I don't think tiredness was a massive issue for Charlie today, to be honest. Well, it doesn't seem like Michael Flynn thought so either, because sixty five minutes we're having um, substitution. Uh, so. Shade and Rishan Hepp Murphy coming on. Uh, Awakwe is going off, and Jake Young is coming off as well. I think people are quite surprised at that changeover. Yeah, um, I, it it was one of them because I, I think Young had had missed enough chances that I think it was time to give like Rush a chance to come on and come up front because we know you know we know how good that um the Rush has been coming off the bench and how direct he is. Um, the strange one for me was that it was bringing on Shade at left back because. Awakwe admittedly looked a bit lost in the first half and wasn't having the best game of his life. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure having shade there was the answer. See, yeah, that seemed like a, seemed like an unusual shuffle. And I think for spell after the change, it seems like Morecambe dug in quite deep to keep town at bay. Yeah, a lot of a lot of last ditch challenges. Um, again, um, Hepburn Murphy had a chance pretty quickly. Um, that a last minute sort of a last minute sort of sliding tackle prevented him from going through. Um, he had a penalty shout not long after that as well, which you know, he, he gets dragged a bit by the shoulders and 
he audibly shouted that I could hear from the back of the stand when he was brought down, but um, I don't think there was much in that shout, really. Morecambe had a, an interesting spell where, you know, they need a goal, but also they're down to 10, so naturally their team kind of shifted to a shape where, you know, they've got a bank of six at times at the back just trying to prevent us from scoring and, you know, they they were doing quite well in that last ditch. We we were kind of doing all right in in our third and coming through the middle. It it was in their box that we were really struggling. And then to really uh, freshen things up after after weathering the storm, they they made five changes in one substitution. That's almost John Sheridan style, isn't it? <laughs> that's it. That's exactly why I said it. He's taken a leaf out of Sheridan's book, and it worked. <laughs> Which is the worst thing. Um, they they did it just as they were about to take a free kick, and uh, the free kick when these new five fresh lads came on led to absolute pandemonium. Um, again, I need I need to see the extended highlights again myself, but somehow we managed to get this free kick away after you know you've got five five sets of fresh legs on there. And our friend Bloxham came off at that point as well, which led to a good cheer from the away section. Oh, that's a oh, look forward to it. seeing as he's been, you know, making uh, rude gestures to us all. It's almost nailed on. He'll probably join us in January. So, look forward to seeing him. Seeing him then. I'm thinking back to uh, when um, Godwin Malife was doing the uh, that almost uh, Harlem Globetrotter style throw in the face to Johnny Williams in the uh, in the Ghana season, and then he came along. So, I'm all for it. I'm all for. I love. I I love the shouts, right? <laughs> Never let it leave. That's the last. The, that's like the one thing I like about League Two is that there's extra shoutsery as well. Yeah, and long, long may it continue. Um, now Murphy Mahoney has been an absolute standout. I think that we all have great superlatives for him. But you know, you're saying he was dithering on the ball and nearly got caught out. I remember that happening at the Sutton game, and unfortunately, he's he's invited a, a bit of pressure that's led to that equaliser, hasn't he? Yeah, it's pretty much the same as what he did earlier in the half, really. Just um, a rushed kick away because he was under pressure. Um, it kind of comes to, I, I think it's, uh, oh, who would he have been? Sorry. It came to, so yeah, um, he takes a rush goal kick that comes out to Khan's head. Khan heads it sort of down, but he's under pressure by two Morecambe players. The ball's coming into Austin's path and he does the most comedic two-heeled slip onto his arse, um, which which led to the, the Morgan player sort of running through with the ball into the side of their post, and he has a lot of net shoot by the time Mahoney rushes out to try and meet him. Yeah, it looked really Buster Keaton-esque. It looked like a proper pratfall, didn't it? It was completely off and, you know, shades of shades of Gerrard in that, of that title bungle, but... And there was a lot of that in the second half because one thing that um, we did notice during the halftime break was that Morecambe really um, sprinkled their pitch down and there was a lot of town players slipping in the second half. It wasn't just that that one incident. Just something to uh, ride out with the, uh, with the condition. And this is a familiar feeling, I think, because 10-man Morecambe were, were pipping 11-man Swindon, weren't they? They, rid- they? There was a good seven or eight-minute spell from 80 minutes onwards where they had us pinned like it it was just a matter we, we were just thinking it's only a matter of time before they score here because they were they were they were pumping balls in they had some physical bodies they had they have got five sets of fresh legs on the pitch which are really causing us troubles and this whole time I'm just screaming like why are we not, 
we, we needed to do something. That's the point of the game where I think we need to look to the bench and do something because I think we could have done with I think we could have done with Kane a little bit earlier. I think in a game like today, you could have done with Kinsella just to have, you know, a bit of experience, a bit of nous and a bit of bite in the midfield. And that's what we were really missing, especially in that last sort of 15 minutes of the game. I think that's really what cost us the equaliser as well. Um, Morgan bullied us, even though they were down to 10. Well, this is what I'm wondering is that you've got your, you've got, they've got just 10 left, but they've been a, you know, half of those have been refreshed by those substitutions. I guess the feeling is that you know, there should be further changes, um, but none forthcoming. And you know, was that starting to cause unrest in the away end? Everybody must have been wondering what's going to happen. I think there's a frustration that obviously Flynn isn't on the touchline a lot, and I think that, along with the fact that we weren't making any changes when, and we were suffering, we could. I mean, just a, a, some fresh legs in midfield, I think, would have come a long way. We weren't really taking advantage of that space that um that they had they they were leaving us being down to ten, and I think there was just frustration of you know we're not playing well here so why aren't we doing anything about it? Because it's not like we were trying to change our style of play either. We were still trying the same sorts of things. Um, a lot of the play was focused down to Hutton, who you know he he can only do so much, and he'd had a busy game, so I can imagine that you know fatigue was probably setting in for him. Um, and yeah, we just kind of looked out of ideas. I mean, it's 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 bad enough being you know being held off by uh, ten men when you've got eleven. But and I know that he's he's endured um, stick, and I know that he's received a lot of accolades and praise. Um, but Mr. Tom Brewitt, um, friend of the pod, uh, almost almost let them in for getting a getting an unlikely third, didn't he? Yeah, it was uh, Morecambe kind of let let a long ball go through. And it was one of those where, you know, a defender will see it out and they'll sort of stop running because they think the ball's going to go. And then the ball just slowed down and Brewitt and the ball were under pressure from the Morecambe striker. And yeah, he kind of get, he gets caught, caught kind of dwelling or caught thinking that the ball's going to just safely go out for a goal kick. And they let Morecambe in for a half chance. What what I will say with Brewitt today, I thought he was excellent in the first half. Um like I say, the spells that Morgan were having, he was in there for pretty much every key tackle, every key header, every key interception. He was the one defender at the back who seemed to have a bit of a cooler head. Um, I, and, you know, yeah, just, just one little mistake towards the end, but luckily it doesn't result in a goal. It results in a half chance, which doesn't really get Morgan any anything sort of clear cut in front of the net, luckily. Yeah, that is fortunate. I think from what you're from what you're telling me, where the um, you know it was a bit wet underfoot, those kind of damp conditions on the on the field. I don't know if the sprinklers on at half time, but uh, you know that can that can change the prediction of the travel of the ball. Maybe maybe we were suffering more under the pitch conditions than they were. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it definitely it, it suited them down to the ground. I mean, you know. You, if you've got if you're if you're the home team, you want to take advantage as much as you can, and you you see it you see it all the time. Um, I think it definitely helped them in the second half because in the second half they were the better team. Uh, yeah, and then, not just because not just because of the damp pitch, <laughs> not just because of that. Well, good. Um, so yeah, towards the end, there was six minutes added on to that, um, and we were getting into their half, but I don't think we were causing much of a threat, were we? No, not really. Again, we were focusing pretty much all of our play down the right, 
Um, Hutton got in the odd decent cross, but you know that they 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 had a big bank of five or six uh, in the back line. So anything aerial was just dead easy for them to deal with today. I think we needed to really try and do something on the floor and make make use of that space from having an extra man, but we just weren't doing it. Uh, he, he throws Kane on with two minutes to go. I mean, that just seems kind of pointless to me. Um, you know, to, to turn to Kane and say, we need to win this game now. So uh, here's two minutes. You know, we, we needed we needed to change the midfield for the past 20, let alone with two minutes to go in the, in that time. Um, and we had one more chance. Shade kind of gets it down the left, cuts inside. Takes an all right shot, but it, it goes just wide of the uh, of the bottom right hand corner, and then nothing much really happened after that. The game sort of petered out, and off the full time whistle went two two. Well, there you go, and drawn even Stevens, and yeah, like you say, substitutions are coming super late. Um, I mean, we'll go on to listeners' feedback in a moment, but one person that I do think of within all of that, um, and because we spoke about how how well he trained in the presser and just was convinced that we'd see an appearance at some point. No Liam Kinsella at all. He's the one player that we've signed that you know, has a wealth of experience. He seemed like somebody who'd have been, uh, you know, a loss that I think Warsaw fans would have been sad to see go. Um, but just made me think, I know that he's only just come back from a recent injury, but you know, Flynn is saying he's fit. It does make me think. Well, what are we, what are we waiting for, or what, or what is he here to do if we're not going to use him in, in that kind of situation? Yeah, because he's a he's a proven entity in you know a lot. He's played a lot of League Two games, a lot of League One games, and you know what? What I don't know whether it's the role that he wants him to play doesn't suit him coming on or something maybe, but you know he. From from seeing him playing for Walsall, he has that he has a bit about him, and he has a bit of bite, and he has a bit of you know he he'll battle for you in midfield, which is what we were sort of missing. Not not that McEachern, Kemp, and Khan were playing poorly. I think they just needed a, a bit more physicality in there just to t- sort of tip the mid, tip the midfield battle in our favour. It goes back to what's becoming a familiar argument here that the the core eleven that we've got is is very strong indeed, um, but it goes for the the issue of depth. And I was saying to Joe yesterday just about how how sparse that squad photo looked. Um, and I was just thinking today how the narrative changes of you know that we want to get business done early, then that we've got all the way till the transfer deadline day and that we want to get x number of players in, then it's all about free agents. This week the conversation's turned to it might not be until January. Um going with the gaps that are fairly evident in what we do have, um is there any real reassurance that we should be taking or that we should just trust the process in this ever-changing narrative? It's going to be a problem in October because you look at October, we play we play Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So we've got seven games, including the Pizza Trophy game in October. And that's where this squad is properly going to get through its pay... It's, sorry. October, with those seven games, is where this squad's going to properly get through its play, paces because... You know that's a lot of minutes to put through these players. You're going to have to make changes. You're going to, 
you're going to have to start trusting your, your backup players because they're going to play a role. Yeah, of course. We've been enjoying the luxury of of uh, Saturdays in a week-long break, but I think this, this ever-changing narrative when we're told that Flynn is the, the sole man in charge of transfers, and even even hearing that there's a couple of trialists in, but no real concrete answers as to whether there's contracts in the offing, it does it does make one ponder, at least, if that's not too a negative uh, way to put it, as to how how in control he is. Yeah, it's 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 one of the, and I understand that he has a thing about he doesn't want to just sign players for the sake of it, and I agree with that to an extent. But what I think he needs to be doing really is making sure that he can quickly identify the areas where we need something. And you know, we're not expecting during the free agency window you to bring in a stellar first teamer. I think you look at last season, if you bring in a player like Bruett was at that point, where okay, he's got you know he's got a few football league games under his belt, something like that, so he can just come in fill a role on a short-term deal. I mean, we saw it um, the last time um, when, when we were in League 2 under Richie Wellens when he brought in Zakuani on a, on a free transfer. That sort A play with that sort of pedigree, I think, is something we, we kind of need. Um, something like that in the midfield as well, because, like I say, if he's, if he's not bringing on Kinsella and he's giving Kane two minutes, that tells me that he doesn't trust them as much to come, come in and play a lot of minutes. Um, so maybe we need something there as well. It's surprising because I just think that somebody with that experience wouldn't have come cheap. And, you know, if it's not really the the ideal fit, I don't know, maybe there's a fitness issue or something that needs to be needs to be resolved there. Shall we have a look at, now I do this a little bit differently to Rich, I'll share with you some of the feedback. Thank you very much to everybody who got in touch about that. I saw some thoughts and man of the man, man of the match, man of the man, <laughs> man of the match shout outs uh, afterwards. Not loads of those, considering that there's about 28 replies and only about six nominations, but we shall pursue. Uh, Paul Temple says it feels like another lost opportunity and that we really need to stop switching off defensively and be more committed. Other than that, fairly comfortable, really having the better chances, some say by a former keeper who wasn't up to much with us. Still undefeated. Man of the match, Dan Kemp. Uh, Dan Thomas says, a point away from home against a decent team. Could have been three. Probably should have been. But a decent ref, good opposition, and anyone who paid money to watch that game won't have been disappointed. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. No, it was was a good game to watch. Um, I'm glad, in a way, that the referee was letting those little things go rather than having free kicks over the place. He was letting the game flow, and he was consistent pretty much throughout all the game with that. Yeah, he did seem to have a good control game from all accounts. Uh, Daniel Wood of the Swindon Advertiser, colleague of Joe. No, he's had some fun reporting on Swindon this week. Um, there's an argument to be made that Swindon should have had at least seven wins from eight. They've obviously been superb, but two of those draws were against ten men for half a game, and one was that 5-3 at Wrexham. But honestly, I'll take being unbeaten eight games and in and up there. I think that's a reasonable way to think of it. Um, Sarah V, who's one of our Antipodean, that's what they call it when they're down in the uh, either Oz or New Zealand way. Sorry, Sarah, I've forgotten which one it is. Um, says, not looks like it wasn't the best day at the office. Um, I've continued my own unbeaten run of not watching at Silly O'Clock. So I'll take the continued unbeaten run in League Two. Thank you very much and watch the replay in a couple of days. I mean, I'm not saying that you should continue, you know, an embargo on 
watching live, but if it is impeding on your on your sleep patterns, and hey, if it's working as a talisman, we can't really we can't really complain. Um, a couple I want to just I'm not going to read them all out here, but a couple I want to just highlight here because it it follows an interesting theme. Uh, Paul Manning here uh, has got a better version of the Doncaster game against a better opposition. Not at our best, but still picking up a point away from home. Feels like two points dropped, as of all our draws this season, which is positive and shows progression over last season. And Paul D says, I know it continues the unbeaten run and take a step back and get some perspective. We have started the campaign really well, but it feels like two points dropped again and can't help but worry these games will cost us come the business end of the season. And that was uh, Paul saying, not some radio interference there. And lastly, Andy Ratcliffe says, some forget where we come from and others underestimate Morecambe. I think that's fair to say. It was the tough game we were expecting, but they're unbeaten at home for a good reason. They're a decent side. Could have, should have been all three points, but happy with one and still unbeaten. The reason why I pick up those ones about points is... There does seem to be a bit of a polarisation this week, uh, definitely after you know we had the chairman's Q and A. It's been interesting seeing you know the the wildly different camps that seem to have uh, gone from the views, and I think the same in sort of assessing this squad is the same. And I think that maybe the more positive mind people would say saying it's two points dropped is pessimistic talk when you're unbeaten in the league. But one interesting contributor who also said it was two points dropped today was Michael Flynn, who's usually uh, very against people bringing up the negative. So, does it feel like two points dropped? For me, it does. Just just through the nature of the chances we missed and the times we missed them. We had chances to make the game 2-0 and we had chances to make the game 3-1. Just through that, you know, it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity for me. And I guess the the limiting thing that we've discussed in that is it doesn't really feel, apart from bringing uh, Rushon Hepburn-Murphy on to uh, do a bit of goal magic, it doesn't really feel like we have a plan B or, or that we have enough faith in our bench to actually be able to make a difference. No, yeah. Like like say, Rush came on and did what he normally does. Like You get the ball to his feet, he's going to drive into the box of it. And, you know, he had the odd chance, but we weren't really changing our approach to the game so much. Um, I think it totally, I think bringing Shade on the left pretty much nullified our left-hand side because then you, you're sort of limited to having Shade trying to cut in on, cut in, cut inside on his right foot pretty much most of the time where, you know, a lot of our strength tends to be from, if you're going on that right-hand side, you know, Hutton's going to have a nice clean cross that usually fires Charlie Austin's head. Um but Morecambe were well equipped to deal with what we had aerially, um, and a lot of our best chances kind of came through speculative long balls or speculative uh, through balls, as I've said. I guess I could I can see it from the the two perspectives there that if you've got a team that are unbeaten at home, and you know Mansfield and Bradford have both have both fallen to Morecambe at home, they're not the uh, they're not the doom and gloom prospect. That I think everybody predicted them to be. I think quite a few people wrote them off uh, after they've dropped out last season. There's always this assumption that, you know, the money's gone out and the dreams died. So I can see why people would say would have taken a point at 
three, but it's just so frustrating when I think that from your assessment there that when push comes to shove is that we had we had the the quality to see them off and didn't. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely. Like like I said, if we get we get a two goal cushion cushion that game, and for me, it's it's game set and match because they didn't look like they had loads and loads of goals in them. They just looked like they had you know they had some good desire to push back when they were still within the game. Um, you know, uh, like I said uh, early on, they weren't really pushing too much when they needed that one goal. You know, in desperate times, they looked like a really good outfit to be to be fair to them. I can see why they're unbeaten at home with their playing like that. Yeah, certainly, and we should just be thankful that uh, Michael Mellon Junior. was uh, was rested for this one. Maybe we'll see him at the county ground uh, later in the year, and we can have another another fortress battle and see who comes out on top. We'll probably draw that one as well. I'm fairly uh, optimistic. Um, yeah, the 28 replies to that uh, that tweet from the official account. Sorry if I didn't read them all. Um, I did do it. All off the off the cuff, rather than in the neat little package that uh, Rich does, and uh, it's been a day of neat little packages anyway. Man of the match for the listeners' side, not lots of nominations, but of the ones that did come through, uh, Dan Kemp edged it. Max, who was your standout today? I mean, mine's either bet- I've been between Kemp because Kemp was being involved in pretty much everything we were doing going forward. He was part of. Um, he was part of both goals and he was part of those clear-cut chances that we just couldn't quite finish off. Um, the other one for me, on, honestly, in the first half, it was it was Tom Brewitt because he was the one defender that was, that seemed to be keeping a cool head and he played a key role in making sure that Morecambe didn't get the go-ahead goal in the first half. Interesting. Okay, okay, yeah. So I... I'm a bit I'm a bit egalitarian, I always think. Uh, so when I'm hosting, I think it's always quite nice that if the listeners have picked somebody, then if I've got a deciding vote, I would kind of lead to uh, somebody else getting it. I think it's time. Are we going to do it? Are we going to give Tom Brewitt a man of the match on the low strangers? I think we are. Is he going to be on the? Is he going to be on the spreadsheet? I think we'll put him on the spreadsheet. There we go, Rich. It's recorded. It's on. It's on. It's in the pod. It's there. There we go. All hail, Tom Brewitt. We'll have to change it to the Tom Brewitt Lounge. We will be in honour of him. But yeah, a decent level-headed performance. And I think that's something where, uh, you yeah, know, maybe some criticism has come out is that you know he tends to do the the good, the routine stuff well, but you yeah, can maybe seem a little bit panicked or flustered on the ball none of that today a very professional performance you're saying yeah I'd say so just from I know that um you know he was it, it he it was on his man for I believe it was the second goal but that I don't think that was down to him I think that was down to a fluff goal kick and you know a, unfortunate that Charlie slipped when he did I think he did what he could in that in that sort of situation I, I just think that that sort of the period where Morgan was still at 11 men and he was getting in the way of everything they were doing. I think if they'd gone ahead early on, it would have been a lot more challenging for us to get back into it. And we're saying that his his mistake is purely due to his understanding of uh, of physics. So, I think maybe he was distracted by Charlie's crapfall. <laughs> I think we all were, weren't we? Okay, well, the defence rests. Welcome to the spreadsheet, Tom, uh, and enjoy it. Max, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for coming on late after you've been on the same day, doing a same-day record and an away day. 
that is impressive dedication um i look forward to speaking to you soon and i look forward to handing everybody back to rich so until then thanks very much cheers Joe. the low strangers is an independent supporters podcast the views given do not reflect those of Swindertown Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast logo was created by the most splendid Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on you Reds! Come on Swindon! The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.